Hello, and welcome to the Revelation Podcast. My name is John, and I hope you guys have been enjoying the series we've been going through, Jesus in Exodus, and we will continue in that series. The last podcast I did was called Overcome the Storm. And that right there was just about Paul and we saw what he did to overcome the storm. So we know how to overcome the storm. You know, in 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7, Paul writes to Timothy and says that God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. And... Last and where we left off with Moses, he kind of got shook up a little bit, you know, towards the end of Exodus chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, he went before the Lord. And this is a great thing. Whenever we are in a situation, we should go and pray. We should go and talk to God. And that's what Moses did. When he was all shook up, he went and talked to God. And I like how God answers him in verse 1. In verse 1, he says, I will do to Pharaoh, for with a strong hand shall he let them go. And with the strong hand shall he drive them out of his land. And from Exodus chapter 7 to about chapter 13 will be about the ten plagues that Jesus uses to break, to break Pharaoh. And we will eventually get into that. And right now, I am going to go through Exodus chapter 6, verses 1 through 11. And what we'll be seeing in this is we will see, you know, God reminding Moses what he's going to do. And in verses 2 through 3... I take that, yeah, verses, actually verses 2 through 3, we will look at the primary names of God. And we'll go back and look at Exodus chapter 3, where God says, I am that I am. And then in verse 5, verses 4 and 5, it talks about the covenant, my covenant. And we will look and see what is that? What is God's covenant? And then verses 6 through 11 is all about God and what he's going to do. And I'm very excited looking into Exodus chapter 6 verses 1 through 11. And to start there, I actually like to go into the book of Jude. Jude chapter 1, verses 8 through 9. Likewise, also these dreamers defile the flesh, reject authority, 
that speak evil of dignitaries, yet Michael the archangel in contending with the devil. When disputed about the body of Moses, dared not bring against him a violent accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke you. As Christians, we have that authority against Satan. Whenever Satan tempts us or causes us to suffer, we just got to meditate. In Jesus' name, I rebuke you. In Jesus' name, I rebuke you. And so, with what Pharaoh said to Moses, Jesus is getting ready to rebuke him. And he reminds Moses what he is going to do to them. And I already read verses 1. I will do to Pharaoh with a strong hand. And if you remember Exodus chapter 3, verses 19 through 20, Jesus said the same thing to Moses. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all the wonders I will do in it. After that, he will let you go. And in verses 21 through 23 of chapter 4, God reminds Moses again. When you go back to Egypt, see that you do before Pharaoh all the miracles I have put in your power. But I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. Then you should say to Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord Israel is my firstborn son. And I say to you, Let my son go, that he may serve me. If you refuse to let him go, behold, I will kill your firstborn son. So, in verse 1 of Exodus chapter 6, he begins to tell Moses that, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. And he is going to bring a strong hand against him, and he will let him go. And those are encouraging words there. Whenever we struggle, our eyes should be on the hope that is in him. He is eternal, and he never takes away his promises. What he said about the end will happen. That means his children will be called unto him and we will worship him forever. And so God is getting ready to deliver the Israelites so that they could worship him on his mountain. In verse 2, we see God continue to talk to Moses and he tells him, I am the Lord. I am the Lord means I am Yahweh. I give life. I have always been. There's nothing that has been before me. I give life. I am Yahweh. And if you look at Exodus chapter 3 verse 13 no Moses asked God what is your name and God tells him I am who I am 
So you should tell the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. And we see that in Exodus chapter 5. Now, with the question of what is his name? The primary names of God. The primary names of God emphasize different aspects of the nature of God. And we will take a look at three of them. Elohim occurs 31 times in Genesis 1. And this emphasis on his strength and power. Another primary name of God is Adonai, which is Lord. And when people write this in the Bible, it's usually with a capital L. And this refers to his authority. And then you have Yahweh, or Jehovah, and the way that it's written in the word is a capital L, capital O, capital R, and capital D. And this refers to his self-existent. That means he possesses life and his existence is permanent. And so in verse 14, he says, I am that I am. You tell them that I am has sent you to them. And we see this idea in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. In the beginning was the Word. And John refers to Jesus. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John identifies Jesus with the Father. God the Son, God the Father, and God the Holy Spirit are one. They have distinctions, and yet they could do each other's distinctions. That's why they are still one. So Jesus was in the beginning. He always existed. So... He is Yahweh. All things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made. And so, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 16 says that Christ created all things. And the Holy Spirit carried out the creation, while God the Father ordered it he gave them the plan and the design and they together worked as one in creation and just like things that they do they are one their authority it's the same power the same and yet they have specifics like right now the holy spirit is with us Jesus, he is at the right hand of the Father praying for us. And God the Father is sitting on his throne and he's ruling the world. And so they are one. Now, I am in Exodus. How do we see I am in Exodus? One, he says, I will be their God. And number two, I will redeem them. The special significance of Yahweh had not been manifested to them yet. 
And when you look at Exodus chapter 6, verse 3, And I appeared unto Abraham, unto Isaac, unto Jacob, by the name of God Almighty. But by my name, Jehovah, was I not known to them. And I heard different things about this. And this refers to the aspect. This aspect has not been referred to them yet. And now it's revealed to the Israelites in Exodus through Moses. When God says, tell them that I am has sent you to them. Now, next thing that God talks about to Moses in verses 4 and 5, he talks about my covenant. And I have established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of the pilgrims, wherein they were strangers. And I have also heard the groaning of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians keep in bondage. And I have remembered my covenant. My covenant. Now, this covenant you could trace all the way back to the garden after Adam committed that awful sin you know God established his covenant in Genesis chapter 3 verse 15 we see that God tells the serpent and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed her seed in New King James Version, after her, the word seed spelled with a capital S. And this refers to Jesus. And in Genesis chapter 6, verse 18, that covenant goes to Noah because he was found righteous. And after the flood, God reestablishes that covenant. And in Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, we see God promising Abraham that he would run that covenant through him. Now, the Hebrew word for covenant is berith. It's spelled B-E-R-I-Y-T-H. Now, on a side note, I have not taken Hebrew, so I am by no means an expert of the word. But I believe I got a pretty good keyword Bible guide that gave me the word berith and basically it's a treaty and another description of it is that it's used to describe God making friendship with humankind and David testifies to that in Psalms chapter 25 verse 14 he says the friendship of the Lord is with those who fear him and he makes known to them his covenant and the covenant that I want to focus on is from Abraham and circumcision. And I want us to look into the New Testament and see why that circumcision has no value in the new covenant. And I'll begin in Genesis chapter 17, verses 9 through 11. And God said to Abraham, As for you, you shall keep my covenant, 
you and your offspring after you throughout the generation. This is my covenant between me and you and your offspring and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskin. And it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. Circumcision was the sign of the covenant. But it did not save them. It's kind of like baptism. If you are not saved, then your baptism has no value. It's not the baptism that saves you, but it's the belief in Jesus Christ that saves you. Baptism just is your public confession of Jesus Christ. You identify with his death, burial, and resurrection. And so, to see why the Israelites had to circumcise especially if it didn't mean anything to them, especially in the New Covenant, I want us to take a look at Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 8. And with this, I'll be reading from the New King James Version. He says, The Holy Spirit indicated this, that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while the first tabernacle was still standing. Not yet made manifest refers to Jesus. Jesus was not manifested in the flesh until the New Testament. So circumcision was the way because Jesus had not come yet. Jesus became the new covenant that Isaiah refers to as the servant. In Isaiah chapter 42, verse 6, in the English study version, I am the Lord, I have called you in righteousness, and I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations. In Isaiah chapter 49, verse 8, thus says the Lord, in time of favor, I have answered you. In a day of salvation, I have helped you. I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people to establish the land, to appropriation, to desolate heritages. And so, in Hebrews chapter 9, verses 15 through 17. Hebrews chapter 9, verses 15 through 17. It talks about the sacrifice of Christ establishing the new covenant. Jesus became the new covenant. Therefore, Jesus, he is the mediator of a new covenant. So those who are called may receive the promise, eternal inheritance, Yahweh. Since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. For where a will is involved, the death of one who made it must be established. For a will takes effect only at death, 
since it is not in force, as long as the one who made it is alive. From every commandment of the law have been declared by Moses to all the people. He took the blood of calves and goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book itself and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the covenant that God made for you. And in the same way, he sprinkled with the blood both the tent and all the vessels used in worship. Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. Thus, it was necessary for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these rites. But the heavenly things themselves were better sacrifices than these. For Christ has entered, not into holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Nor was it to offer himself repeatedly as the high priest enters the holy place. Every year with blood not his own, for then he would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. So Christ had been offered once to bear the sins of many, appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. So in the old covenant, with the circumcision as they sign, the way that they had to redeem sin was through blood. They had to sacrifice animals so they could have the blood to justify their sins. So there's many deaths throughout the old covenant. But in the new covenant, Jesus came. He became that perfect blood. And he had just died just one time. And his blood was enough to cover all of our sins. Jesus became the new covenant. And so circumcision was under the old. And it's no longer under the new. Because Jesus is that sign that we are saved. That we can be saved by him. Now, going to Exodus chapter 6, verses 6 through 8. God will be Yahweh to them, even though they rejected him. You remember Exodus chapter 5, verses 20 through 21? Then as they came out from Pharaoh, they met Moses and Aaron, who stood there to meet them. And they said to them, Let the Lord look on you and judge, because you have made us abhorrent in the sight of Pharaoh, in the sight of his servants, to put a sword in their hand to kill us. And God is merciful, and he is just. Let me look at verse 5. And I have also heard the growing of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians keep in bondage, and have remembered my covenant. So even though they rejected God, he still wants to keep his covenant with them. And remember, in Exodus chapter 3, verses 7 through 8, you know, 
God tells them that he hears their cry and he will deliver them out of Egypt and he will bring them into the land that he promised Abraham and that's the land of Canaan land that's filled with honey and milk you see God remembers his promise to Abraham and the nation of Israel has the opportunity to receive that promise and even though that they have hardened their hearts towards God God is still going to deliver them and that's a great example of God's mercy in Romans chapter 5 verse 8 but God shows his love for us and that while we we're still sinners Christ died for us in verse 6 look at what I am says and I will deliver he will keep his promises he has the power he will deliver them out of bondage he will redeem them so they can receive the covenant and from verses 7 through 8 he says I will take you to be my people I will be your God they will know that he is Yahweh and I will bring into the land that I promised to Abraham and I will give it to you so we see God continue to say about his promises and what he's going to do now verse 9 Moses still doubts God now I believe the Israelites' hearts were just as hard as Pharaoh's towards God. In verse 11, God still tells Moses to go tell Pharaoh. Go tell Pharaoh. See, God is still giving Pharaoh a chance to obey him. But like he said, that Pharaoh's heart is hardened. And so he will do signs and wonders. He will show his arm and then Pharaoh will release them. And yet with all what Pharaoh went through, it cost him everything. And God still delivered his people. All right. Well, I hope that you enjoyed Go Tell Pharaoh. Exodus chapter 6 verses 1 through 11 and in a couple of days I will continue onward in our series of Jesus in Exodus and we are slowly getting up on the 10 plagues that I look forward so that we could continue to see how God delivered his people out of Egypt. And it's a reflection of his judgment coming at the end.